Welcome to Round Book Pod, inclusively yours. This is your host, Anna, and I'm here with Rebecca Weatherspoon. Hello. Rebecca is a author of romance and erotic romance, and I've been reading her for many years and quite enjoy her books. And when we were looking to talk about found family, I thought that I should probably call her up because you have a lot of found family in your books. I do. I do. What first attracted you to like the found family trope? Is it something that you found in romance as, as a romance reader or something that you always sort of crave? Well, I think it's maybe two things happen at the same time. Um, I come from a big family and I come from a community that has a lot of big families. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also found that whenever I've moved someplace, the only way for me to get my bearings is to find people. And so when I write, I think that's also important, especially if you're writing characters who are going through some kind of turmoil, mm-hmm. for them to find people who will help kind of ground them and give them a safe spot to land. Um, and I think in my reading, and if you've heard me on any podcast ever I talk about Beverly Jenkins all the time yes um her books she wasn't the first romance author I read I read many authors before I found her but what really endeared me to her books and made me want to keep coming back was um her heroines often are alone or in a new situation and then all these people come and she she finds herself in a warm safe place and I think that's kind of a key part of romance for me Mm -hmm. that romance is a warm safe place so that that to me seemed like a really important ingredient for for characters especially heroines in turmoil yeah you know I'm attracted to that kind of story too I moved a lot as a kid and then I've moved a lot as an adult and so when I see stories where people don't have friends, it, it really like makes me feel extra lonely for them. And they're like, oh, yes, they're finding the love of their life. But for me, they need to find community in order to be happy, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I totally hear you on Beverly Jenkins. When I first read Beverly Jenkins, my first book was Forbidden. And one of the things I loved is that both Ryan and Edie both ha- have their own found family that support them or are there for them. And... Are those people perfect? No, they often have flaws and are pains in the butt, but they care and love them. Yeah, I think that's that's a her that book is one that I I had written down as a as a an idea for a really good found family, and I think we can just jump right into it. I suppose, yeah. but her book Night Song was the first one I read, and in that that book, you know, a lot of her characters are kind of all over the place. She does a lot of road trip books. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Night Song, it takes place in a town, and the town is so critical to the story. And I remember reading it and just loving like the older women in the town who interact with mm-hmm. the heroine. And I felt safe for her. And I think that's actually something that Beverly Jenkins does really well, especially writing black people in the 1880s and 1890s. Mm-hmm where you know that all of these horrible things are happening in the world at that time, but you feel like you can still laugh and be entertained because you know that that person has a community now and they're safe. Yeah. There's so much that is a danger and yet there's people around them 
that help them face that danger. And I think also lets them take risks, the heroines take risks with their lovers. Yes. Because they have people that will have their backs and take care of them. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, we, we had Beverly Jenkins on the show this summer, and if, if there was such warmth and joy from her, and you see that in her books, that she cares about community and building oh, yeah. up that, so. Absolutely. So to our listeners who have yet to read Beverly Jenkins, even though we mention her pretty much every podcast, please do so and find some awesome found family. So one of the things I love in your books, uh, I remember recently rereading Rafe, and you have a heroine who is going through a hard time. You know, she's just had her babysitter leave, uh, leave without a any kind of warning she's in a new town with you know recently broken up from a, a, a terrible relationship and one of the things you give her is that found family uh, she starts making friends with these other women who become her text partners people to bounce stuff with and i feel like in like your beards and bondage you, you see a lot of those text conversations between girlfriends becoming such a sort of it, it sort of it moves the plot forward it's not just funny it's but it actually sort of tells you a little bit more intimately who she is right yeah yeah I think for me again I like I have kind of if, if I'm the center of the Venn diagram I have you know different circles of female friend groups from mm-hmm. my friends who I've known from kindergarten and went to junior high with and I have a group chat with my girlfriends from high school and um my girlfriends from college we don't talk as much but we make sure that we check in with each other a couple mm-hmm. times a year and then now you know my adult friends I have you know my writer friends and my local friends and we all just kind of make sure that we are you know checking in with each other someone mm-hmm. had a baby someone's having trouble having a baby someone's just got married someone's parent is sick like I think that sort of thing to have that is really important and it kind of keeps you sane Mm -hmm. Um, and I know for me in my old life those group chats have you know kept me sane when I couldn't necessarily didn't want to call my mom and tell her all my business um (laughs) having having those friends to turn to and say this crazy thing happens can I talk to you about it is really important so I think that group that Sloan joins in Rafe, that particular cluster of friends actually shows up in Wrapped, mm-hmm. uh, which is the fourth book in the Fit trilogy. And I know that doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> but I, what people should know is a, a lot, your books are often in a shared universe, even if they're not together in a series. Yeah. So all of my self-published stuff is basically connected. All there's character overlap throughout all of those books. So mm-hmm. Shay in that book, she's Kira's cousin from Stated. Um, and they not only have like, you know, their group chat, but every week they get together and they basically like watch The Bachelor together. And in that story, she's also been through a divorce. And in that marriage, there was fertility issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's really worried about she's terrified to start dating again because her marriage ended so badly and her friends are there for her to just support whatever she's feeling, you know, not to tell her that she's being silly or not to tell her that she needs to get over it. They're just there to be there for her Mm -hmm. while she's figuring things out with this new guy. 
Um, and she dates a guy she used to work with too, so that adds an, an added level of like this could go really wrong. Right, because um, you can lose the security of your job. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, and just like you know, when you when you know people in work situations too, like <laughs> those conversations sometimes get awkward. So I wanted to bring that same group of friends back for Rafe. So you're already familiar with those people and they're there. And so they're there in Rafe. And then when you move on to Zenny, those same group of people is also there in Zenny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, what I loved about Zenny too, is that there's like double layer of found family because her aunt has this found family in the town in upstate New York. And that's part of the stuff that Zenny has to negotiate. There's all these people who meant a lot to her aunt who care about her and she's still having to get to know them, right? Yeah. Why, why is this guy important to the uh, to the aunt? Why would she do this? Yeah. Um, and for those who haven't read Zenny, Zenny sort of an arranged marriage by, by will mandate kind of thing or marriage of convenience uh, storyline where there's also like family secrets and uh, all sorts of like tortured past stuff. And, but I, there's like this double layer because Zenny has her people, but there's also, she's dealing with finding a new place among her aunt's people. Right. So that, again, that found family actually starts in Haven technically. Mm-hmm. Um, so Claudia's, Claudia has lost both her parents in Haven um, and then in the beginning loses her brother right. uh, and her group of friends that keep her afloat. And her one friend who is like, you really need to be checking in with me while you're doing all of this stuff is Liz. And yes. she's the heroine in Sanctuary. And she becomes enveloped in Silas's found family. So mm-hmm. his family left him a farm, basically. Um, or his parents bought him an apple farm and were like, here, be a farmer. Um, and <laughs> You're too he, awkward to do anything else. Be out yeah, there. <laughs> he's, you know, he's a six foot five man of color who has undiagnosed autism. Right. Um, and so he is trying to kind of find his way in the world. And his parents are like, well, we think this will actually be good for you because mm-hmm. farming is actually something that you enjoy. And you, this is, this is actually working out for you very well. So mm-hmm. the life as a farmer is great, but. He, he has a found family there. He's got the farm, the farm staff. He's got, yeah. uh, he's got Maya and Ginny who are with him. Um, and he has his cousin Mason. So when, when Zenny comes along, she meets all of her aunt's people, but she meets all of Mason's people who yeah. are, who are also Silas's people. So mm-hmm. kind of a, a quadruple layer of these are how all these people are interconnected and, and why these relationships are important um, for providing support for many different people in different ways. Right. Because they're, they're, they're reaching out to each other sort of like, I'm also new here too. And this, I came yeah. here in a sort of a hard situation. So there was all this sort of like finding common ground, even though like, you know, Zenny, she's, she's from LA. She's pretty much like, I am highly suspicious of the small town. Yeah. And, and, and yet there's people who, who get her and understand her. And more importantly, they have, they have they've been there for Mason. Yeah. And I think, too, it, it that helps kind of explain why her aunt moved there and why her aunt mm-hmm. stayed. Because mm-hmm. um, she, she found her people. So it made sense for her to stay there. She was happy. She had community. And also, I think when you kind of have a found family within a found family, mm-hmm. people are able to be more compassionate. Um, Liz is able to step in with Denny and say, listen, I was where you were a few years ago. 
Mm-hmm. I moved to this town. I had no idea what was going on. I was scared. I met this man. And then all of a sudden, here we are. And we're expecting our second child. So <laughs> if, if you're going through like kind of a crazy time and also wondering why, why you're falling in love with the Scotsman, like I got your back, sister, because I've been there. Right. Right. Just watch out. You might end up with a whole pack of dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not consider get a dog yet, though. They're still, they're still <laughs> oh, well, that's funny. I know. I, I, you know, and that's where, like, I think one of the things you're drawing all the lines in between your series, but I think also people can read your series, your books, and use them as a starting point to go back because like you'll be like who is this stylist dude and you can go back into the the beards and bondage books you're like who's Shay? you want to go read Shay's story because they're there but i think you also do a very i've, I've been always feel like they're entry points rather than oh my gosh this is like sequel 15 of right yeah so other than Beverly Jenkins, do you have any other books where you've really found found family? So one thing I wanted to make sure I, I said when we were talking, mm-hmm. when I initially think of found family, I actually think of how queer people in my life have defined found family, right? So well, that's very important to point out because that's very yeah. much a sort of central thing in a lot of queer romance and... Yeah. Queer culture, right? Because yeah, and, and in the lives of a lot of queer people. So yeah. you have a situation sometimes where you come out and you are either rejected by family or rejected by community. Mm-hmm. And for either safety or even entertainment, you need to then find people who are safe to be around, people who share your interests, people that might know people you could date mm-hmm. um and that is a really 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 key component to being a queer person and being an out queer person right um and even if you're not out sometimes finding other queer people people just to in your mind say okay i have this other person mm-hmm. who is queer and i that they can be my touchstone in in one way or another I know for me, when I first moved to Los Angeles, the first group of people I made friends with was a group of gay men. And we all worked at the Pleasure Chest, which is a sex shop in West Hollywood together. And that those relationships were life-saving. Mm. Um, just being able to be a queer young woman in a new city, yeah. um, very far away from my family, had like just come out to my, my dad, so I was navigating that all alone and then to be welcome into this group of out gay men who were just amazing to me, that was that was really, really important. And then to meet more queer women through that group as well, that was extremely important. So I think when when I think of the foundation of found family, mm-hmm. I always think of specifically black communities and marginalized queer communities where I know for a lot of black people, anywhere you go, if there's one other black person in the office, <laughs> there's one other that like that's your person. You got to be able to like check was, in and like yeah, check in. And if that situation doesn't work too, I mean, there's nothing worse than being like two black people in an office and you don't get along with that other black person. That is like that is the worst. Um, <laughs> but those are 
those those kinds of things where you're in certain mm-hmm. situations, and I know I've been in that situation many times where it's like you find that one other black person, that one other queer person, and you're like, all right, we're gonna stick together. Right. Um, so I lost track of where we started. But <laughs> no, I think that's that's fabulous and important because yeah. I mean it's foundational and it's something that you know, like as someone who also has to like come out late in life, having people have you made friendships with queer people around me sort of helped me find that I had, you know, like work out that questioning, right? right. Um, and, and know that you're going to you have somebody to land with um, if family breaks down or things don't work out. And so I think, yeah, I think that's really important to this trope, not only the, just the, because it's, it's not just a trope, it is a cultural safety net that exists in black communities in in queer communities so no i love that you brought that up because i think that's so important to sort of getting to like why that's a happy ending yeah. um, because the the seeking of community especially if you're estranged from your family whether by choice or because of circumstance and ha- having a, a community restored to you is is part of a happy ending for a queer person yeah absolutely and so i think one author who does this very well, um, and I was I was kind of like racking my brain thinking about all the queer books where I've re- that I've read, and a lot of them, while excellent, um, it always just seems to be the the two lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually hard for me to go back and find books where people actually developed friendships and developed friendships outside. And I would love to get more wrecks of queer books where there's where there's more friendships built, not not just the the lovers finding each other. But Frederick Smith, he's a, a black queer author who does an amazing job of not only finding writing found family, but writing found family in the context of being in um, Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. I feel like is a city that a lot like the homegrown population of Los Angeles is amazing. Um, all the people I know who are from Los Angeles are just, they're wonderful people. <laughs> and then you have all of these people who move here. It's like so many people are, it's, you know, LA and New York are, and Atlanta mm-hmm. those are where a lot of people move from their small towns and they go to those cities. Right. Um, so you find a lot of people in Los Angeles who aren't from here and then they all, all of a sudden need to like build a community. Um, and so Fred Smith has two books, one with um, Chaz Lamar called In Case You Forgot, and then he has another book called um, Play It Forward. And both books feature black men in gay communities in Los Angeles. And it's just Fred's writing is beautiful mm-hmm. um, and it's very warm and it, it just kind of sucks you in and you're in the moment. Um, the opening scenes of Play It Forward, like they're in the cl- they're in a club in West Hollywood, and it's like when you think of a club, you think of you know your teeth rattling from the bass and like <laughs> not wanting to like make your way through the crowd to get to the bathroom kind of thing. Yeah. But something about the way he writes is just so warm, and you feel just hugged <laughs> by his words. I more people need to be reading Fred Smith. He's he's amazing. I'm now I'm I'm gonna put. Fred in my uh, TBR because I'd never heard of their books. So Fred's fantastic and Chaz is also fantastic. And they both just the way that they write about just 
black men dealing with life and loss and career and being out, being in the closet, new lovers, old lovers, mm -hmm. old relationships, uh, marriage, I mean, everything. They really... Right, that, that web of people that you that you build that life with. Yes, and like, sometimes you have fights with your friends, but then you make up. Like, it's just, yeah. they do a really good job with that. And I really, you know, both Fred and Chaz, it's, they're, when I think of found family books, especially in queer communities, I think mm -hmm. they really, they both knocked it out of the park. Cool. Thank you. I love hearing about books that are new to me because I feel sometimes you, you we get into like our little Twitter silos. Oh, so yeah. You, so you hear the same people again and again. So this, that's fabulous. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned like uh, finding books that have that built community. I feel like I, I read one this year. I read uh, Alexis Hall's Boyfriend Material. Sure. And in it, there are two people who are who arrange to do a, like a fake relationship because they have upcoming like life commit work commitments and family commitments and they it would just be easier if they have someone there who looks to like a steady boyfriend right. um, and the, tr the thing that sort of is built into that is they're both like the only gay friends of a one straight person who's been trying to get them together for years right and they're like ah thanks no because we're actually very different, but both of them have their own friend groups and there's all this sort of the learning of intermeshing, but like as they get, as they get involved, you know, they end up meeting each other's people. And for uh, one of the characters, he's very sort of interested in getting Oliver to have more queer friends because he feels like he would feel more comfortable in his own skin if he had other friends that weren't just straight guys who were always just there's that moment of awkwardness, right? So it, I thought that was really interesting uh, element to bring to the story, that one of the elements of building that relationship is like, here, I'm going to give you some of my friends. It will make your life better. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a book called um, The Fling about a woman who is engaged to a dude, um, and she's come into her bisexuality, and they both decide that they kind of get one freebie before they mm -hmm. get married. Um, and so she arranges something with her trainer who is a lesbian. They decide that they're going to have a one night stand, just sex, nothing else. And they start falling for each other. And in that book, Oksana has a really great friend group, a queer friend group. And Annie's coming from a very straight friend group. Mm -hmm. um, and Annie starts feeling more like herself when she's hanging out with Oksana's friends. And she's like, Oh, these, you know, she loves her friends, but she's mm -hmm. like, I feel more like I can be myself because I'm around other women who are comfortable kissing women in public. And I want that for myself. And I, I can lean into that and not be afraid of this life transition. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the friend, it's not only just like having, you know, neighbors or coworkers, but having friends that you can spend time with. Mm -hmm. and see how they interact with the world now for me i don't you've you've read the beyond series have you by kirosha i i'm going to get, get in so much trouble for this i'm still on book two <laughs> okay I, there's so much more work to be done <laughs> for everyone listening i'm like a super slow reader <laughs> i have like 
my eyeballs are slow. I have like vision processing stuff. I've been a mm-hmm. slow reader my whole life. I am not a fast reader. So no guilt, no guilt. Yeah, if 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 I read like a, a whole series, also I get it's like fifteen books. So yeah, I think some people some people understand this. I get actually like really bad anxiety when I'm looking down the barrel of a really long series. I um, and. I ended up, I went through the first like five or six Outlander books when I first started reading romance because I was unemployed and I was like, oh, I'll just like, but I think that was like the last time I read that many books in a row because I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, but I have all of them. I'm just like kind of jumping around. Yeah. The same thing with Nalini Singh's books. Like I've read the first two and I'm just like going to come back and keep reading (laughs) But yeah, I haven't I haven't blasted through a long series in a really long time. So, but I have um, read the first beyond, first two Beyond books, so I can. Yeah, I can... and I mean, one of the things I love about this, I mean, like I did a whole podcast, so clearly I'm a fangirl. But it's that whole having a community lets you have be free and in finding yourself, and and a good community is gonna help you on your journey and love you and accept you in whatever part of your journey you are, rather than be the you know like, like yeah there's people here in, in those stories who have like crappy old family or some of them have really good family but this is another an additional layer of family but i totally get you the whole like being intimidated by major series i am a binge reader so i actually love big series yeah. but you know like i people who are still reading like in death by nora roberts um, jd robb um i'm like more power to you i read the first three got the romance arc i'm like I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do fifty. Yeah, and I also think I just have I have so many books on my TBR that I still my I have so many books that I have to read, and then so many books that I also have to write. Um, (laughs) I've been struggling to like just read like anything, so it's been it's been a tough year for me, especially like a tough tough half decade right now. Yeah, Uh. I, I mean, I have this dream that like December is going to come around and I'm going to be like, oh, I'm just going to like take the whole month off and I'm going to read like all of the mm-hmm. and then I'll know what the hell everyone's talking about. <laughs> I'll, I'll like finally be caught up. I know that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to. I just know if you do, there's a whole community waiting I to know. accept and love you. I know. I need to get on. I need to get on. Oh man, it was funny. Like you, you added some recommendations to our shared doc, and one of them is a series I read because of you, uh, the Erotic Shifter Fairy Tale series. Yes. And those I, I blew through. I totally like read them all in like three days, and there's problematic elements and all that kind of stuff. But there was re- I I really just love that we were totally right that the the theme of that is the community. In yes. um, in the, the story, these are often heroines in peril they stumble upon this like secret community of shifters and there's mating heats and and people find themselves you know in relationships they never expected but every time somebody's like they're like i gotcha i've been there i had that relationship i went through that and one thing i love about that series for people who haven't read it it's they're all the books are basically spins on different fairy tales and it takes Mm -hmm. place in a bear community, a bear shifter yes. community, um, which is like the element that I really love because there's so many books that are wolf shifters, and I was like, yeah. oh, this is like so fun. Um, and the first book is uh, Bears Gold, which is mm-hmm. kind of a spin on Goldilocks and the Three Bears, 
and the heroine stumbles upon a bear shifter and, and his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was actually what really drew me into that series, too, because I was like, oh, cool. She's meeting, like, a single dad with kids. Yeah. And, and he's, like, well-adjusted, too. That, that was, like, one thing that was, like, so nice. Like, she meets him, and he's not a mess. No. Like, she, she doesn't need to come in and, like, help him, like, change diapers or, like, learn how to make a sandwich or, like, do laundry. Like, he's like, no, I got my life together. Like, let me help you. Yeah, like, he went through this hard time. He sure, like, he mourned his wife. Um, and he's done that. But he's, like, a great dad. Yeah. He's coming really... in to be, like, nanny number one, you know. Yeah, he really had it together. So that was... That to me was really appealing. And then as the series goes on, it was like, oh, like these women are coming in to this bear community. Also, it has this, it has a small town element that I really mm-hmm. like. Too. <laughs> Busy or, body neighbors. Yes. Yeah. It's like the neighbors and then like the diner where you can get your honey. And like there's like the, the town commons where everyone's like mm-hmm. playing sports. And like I, I just I really liked that. It was really it had like a Gilmore Girls feel to it almost. Right, and I mean, and there's that element that we're like a lot of the stories. They, there's a particular f- festival in the bear community, so they're like, you know, they're going to the carnival, and you know, right. uh, yeah. And I thought, t- to me, that was like w- that was really, really appealing. And and what I also liked about Beverly Jenkins' books is like, you have a heroine who's like going through um, a really tough time, and and uh, I think several of the heroines in it are either in a situation where they've been like kidnapped by a circus or they've been kidnapped by like the military. So they have a lot of trauma um, because their shifterness was like found out. um, And they have all this trauma around just like being a shifter. So being able to come back to this ultra safe zone, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this is like really nice. And then on top of it, there's like tons of boning in it. So (laughs) yes, it's, it's, it lives up to its erotic shifter name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did love that there's like these matchmaking mamas and aunts and and just late, older women who have lives and interests and uh, just love to uh, mess with people. It's it's a they're a fun set of books and I think aren't they like in KU I think and if not they're worth whatever it, they charge to get them. I totally love them. Yeah, I bought I bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought she had, I thought she was done because uh, she kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of like disappeared off the face of the earth for a little while, and as you know, some authors do in, in times like these. And then randomly I was looking for something over the summer and she put out a new one last July. I was like, yes, she has a new one out. So I was very excited that she has not abandoned the series. Which was is that crazy. Hansel's Bear or something? Uh, uh, no, it's Bear's Snow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, think I, I think I grabbed that one, too. Yeah. Yes, yes, I have. I'm like, yes, it's purchased June 24. And if you go through, like, all mine, they're, like, June 23 and June 22. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was for me when I read, like, the first five. I was like, I'm going to read all of these and tell everyone about them all the time. Yeah. Because, you know, like, when you find something that hits that spot, it, honestly, it's just really rare sometimes to be able to find something that the next book also hits your spot yeah. um and so yeah that it it, it it was a satisfying for a binge reader like me and i think you know you know some people might not want to read them as in close proximity as i did you know but i totally love them so thank you for that rack i saw you yeah. mention them on twitter and i was like anytime there's like 
uh, I got to interview Chancia Higgins yesterday and was talking to her about her shifter books. And I say, you know, anytime I see paranormal books by authors of color, I jump because I think there's a specialness there and a rarity in what can sometimes be a very, very white genre. Yeah. So. And I have her books on my TBR as well. And yeah, one thing that actually kept me reading too in Yvette's books, those all the heroines are black women, I believe, and, mm-hmm. and most of them are plus size, too. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, she's got, like, fat black women just having sex in trucks and having sex in fields and <laughs> having sex next to a lake. And I was like, this is amazing. And and also, like, body positive, too. The mm-hmm. heroines are not, there's not, like, they're not beating themselves up for being fat or anything like that. And they're eating, too. There's a lot of mm-hmm. eating books which i i thought that was delicious delicious foods that they encounter yes yeah and i felt like it was like you said body positive and the food eating wasn't cringy or fetishizing right right it was like yeah it was like we're shifters we have big appetites we Mm -hmm. love we love honey it's a part of our community and we're gonna really lean into it yeah it's always it's a treasure when you find like a little series that you're like yeah I say as I contradict myself saying that I can't blow through series, but I will say this. Yvette's books are are pretty short. They're yeah, not, they're, they're, they're straddling that novella level. Yeah, they're, um, I think they're all novellas. They're pretty short. So Yeah. I, I used to, like, judge a book by, like, how many dots it had on Kindle. You know, sometimes there's, like, 27. <laughs> and other books are, like, three. And I feel like right now, often when I struggle to start something, I'm more willing to start something that's short because I feel like there's going to be that completion. Yeah. Yeah. Longer, longer books are, are tough. sometimes. <laughs> I'd rather do those on audio and then like speed up the audio. So <laughs> I know that I'll get through them. Now you added an old school book to the list. Tell me about this Laverell Spencer book. Cause I, that's well before my time into romance. I sort of came into romance 2010, 2008, and I read a little bit further back. But a lot of those old school authors, I'm like. Um, so I did. I came to romance late too. I came to romance like 2008. I, I wasn't. I didn't grow up reading romance like a lot of people did. That was not. I was reading what I had to read for school, and then I was mm-hmm. like watching TV and painting my nails. I was not. <laughs> I was not re- reading a whole lot of books for, for pleasure when I was growing up. I don't, I, somehow, I came in the possession of a PDF of her book, Morning Glory. I don't, I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure one of my fanfic friends who was like trying to like be my pusher probably emailed me one of her books and was like, oh yeah, just read this. I read Morning Glory, which was turned into a TV movie with Christopher Reeve and Mariel Hemingway, I think. And that also has found family. It's a guy who's like an ex-convict and he needs a place to stay. And so he moves in with a widow and her kid and she's pregnant. So he like becomes the man of the house. And it's like, it's so good. I wept like a baby reading that. But she has a book called Years. And it's interesting. I don't, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't read like a ton of books by white women Mm -hmm. because i after i started running women of color and romance i was like oh i can just read books by women of color forever Um, absolutely i feel you i feel like i could read this i have have a white romance out there though you know shout out to tessa dare i'll read her (laughs) Um, but 
I read Morning Glory and I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I need to see what else this lady's talking about. Now, I've been told some of her other stuff that I haven't read yet because I haven't read all of her books. I've been told that she had like one or two contempts, which meaning contempt, like contempt to like 1988 or something. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. she wrote she wrote like 1970 to like 1995 and then stopped. She said she right. was going to write a certain number of books and then she was going to stop writing romance. So she just stopped. Huh. Um, she's still with us though. I think she's in her 80s, but she's she doesn't write anymore. Um, right. I've been told that some of her books are like a wee bit racist, but the ones. <laughs> So I just want to put that out there. I don't yeah. know Will Spencer. I'm not saying that's like... Nobody is vouching for her right now. You're just vouching for this particular right. book. You read one of her books and it was like a little cringy. I'm just... Okay. We all I mean, have our who hasn't run into that reading an yeah. old book? Right. I mean, I've read a couple of Nora's where I was like, Nora, what are you doing, girl? Anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> some, there's too much Confederate love in some of those stories. Yeah, I mean, there was something like... I read one, I was like, oh, this is a little anti-Native American girlfriend, let's let's come <laughs> Um, Anyway, so, in years, uh, it's right before the 1918 pandemic, and this young school teacher moves to, like, Kansas or Wyoming or something, mm-hmm. um, and she is teaching the school there, and she falls in love with this, like, cranky farmer, so... I think a lot of us love a good cranky hero, first of all. And he's cranky in like the best way. And you're like, oh, like you, you, the first scene with them, you're like, oh, I already am in love with this guy already. I can't, I can't wait to get together. Um, the heroine is like smart and spunky. She's so cute. She talks to herself, which I love. And I read this book on a plane and was sobbing at the end. Like, oh. I, had to cover my face with my travel blanket and like <laughs> turn towards the window because I it was like racking sobs. Oh I was my God. It's such a good book. But the way the heroine is brought into this town as the school teacher too, I think giving her a job that made her central to the community was really yeah. important. Um, so she's dealing with the children, she's dealing with the parents, and then she's dealing with the cranky farmer and his family. <laughs> he has a brother, like all stuff. So also she's it's it's not even that she's like new to the community, it's it's that the cranky farmer who is like a pillar of the community is mm-hmm. kind of like standing in her way of like becoming a part of the community. Right. And, and you know where it's going. You know mm-hmm. you're gonna fall in love with her. So <laughs> just <laughs> That transition of them wanting to kill each other to her becoming a part of the community is, like, chef's kiss beautiful. Oh, um, wow. And, like, one of the students has, like, a crush on her and, like, all this. Like, it's it's just... So that book and um, Morning Glory and The Endearment. Um, mm. the, the Endearment is about a young woman and her brother who are basically destitute. And she lies on a mail-order bride form saying that she, like, knows how to cook and clean and stuff. <laughs> Um, and so she gets shipped to some Scandinavian guy in like Wisconsin or whatever, and basically like completely blows it at like being a housewife. And it's really, really cute because he has no idea what's happening, but he like wants to love her. Mm-hmm. And it's the conflict in it is like so soft because you know she's just keeping a secret, but he's never, he's like never cruel to her. Right. He's, never, he's not like, I'm going to send you back. 
he's just like, what's going on? Because clearly you do not know how to cook. Um, <laughs> so that whole just like we're going to build a family in the woods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all three of those books, I thought, were just really well done, found family, tight community stories that I really liked. Well, as someone who's mostly scared of old, old school, I, I now know at least a few titles that I'm like, I might try. I, mean, I have to put the disclaimer out there. No, I, I love this. I love that you have the disclaimer because otherwise it's like... <laughs> You just never know what people might find in other people's backgrounds. Right. I don't know this woman. If you find <laughs> crazy stuff while you're looking through Lavrov Spencer's catalog, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there you go, folks. A, a ROM book pod with a caveat. <laughs> Read these books because we are okay. Yeah. You know what? We've never done like an old school themed episode. Uh, but now you're making me want to like interview everybody to find out like what they're like their their, their pick of like your person of color. You're curious about this crazy cult that is old school books. Yeah. Their step backs and all that. Which ones were okay? Which ones sucked you in? They made you go, okay, they're all right. You you made a story idea into my brain. So yeah, yeah, and I think also too just with all kinds of romances like you find the weirdest stuff in books too. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be reading and then all of a sudden you're like, what? Like you'll just find like, there'll be one little thing in there where you're like, okay, that's weird that that made it to print, but all right. <laughs> yeah. So we're letting that go in 1988. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you learn a lot reading old romances. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like my very first romance, I was like 12. We were in a vacation house and it was raining. We were supposed to be there for the beach. And my parents are like this close to divorcing. So they're, it's completely miserable. But there's a bookshelf. And in it, there's like these, this thick, like honest to goodness bodice ripper. And I remember I just dove in and read that stuff. And then I, when I went back and got into romance as an adult, I had the smart bitches try to track it down for me. Oh. And, and we found it. And it was Honestly, I'm I'm scared to read it again because honestly, the stuff that I remembered was like like he whips her and there's this whole like saga and I'm just like, oh my god, thank God I that I didn't imprint on that book even though that was the first. Yeah, um, I mean, I, even though she doesn't claim it as a romance, like Outlander came out in '88, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember like I read that and I was like, oh, okay, and I kept reading it the series. When I went back and I was like, this book is nuts. <laughs> my I was my, like, this is crazy, and a lot of people are getting raped up in those books. I was like, there is a lot of sexual assault. <laughs> exactly, it's funny. My, I was just talking with my daughter about that. She loves finding series on Netflix to binge on, and she is a knitter, and so she knitted uh, by accident an Outlander cowl. And so she said, "Well, let me try Outlander." <laughs> she watched a little bit of the first. She watched the first season, and she came back to me, and mom, she's like. There's a lot of rape in this. And I'm like, yeah, don't go forward. <laughs> it's just going to be more. Yeah, yeah, there's there's more. There's more, and there's more trauma. Really, no, honey, don't well, walk away. Well, thank you, Rebecca, so much for coming and talking to me about found romance. I think we've given everybody lots of books to explore and try. And I just want to thank you for your books that are often so soft and warm. And, and even though I think you, you have a heart that you could write murder mysteries if you wanted to, I always will remember that beginning scenes of Haven 
the Haven or yeah, Haven, where there's like pulse pounding action there that I felt like that was like a detective series in the making. So thank you so much for your books and for coming and talking to us. Uh, can you tell us where people can find you in your books? Sure. Um, so you can find me at RebeccaWeatherspoon.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram also at Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at R-D-O-T-S-P-O-O-N. So it's just R at R.Spoon. And also, if you search my name, I'm the only Rebecca Weatherspoon on Earth who spells it the way I spell it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And this has been another episode of Wrong Book Pod, inclusively yours. And you can find us on Twitter at R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D, also Instagram and Pinterest. Thank you so much, and I hope you guys enjoyed lots of found family goodness. Happy reading. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you like weekly recommendations on inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading. <laughs>